you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You want to debate Joe Montana. Joe Why Montana. do you have to be a stinker right I, out of the game? I don't want to be that guy, but like every time a quarterback list, all-time quarterback list comes up, and I mentioned the fact four. That, that Joe Montana is not in my top 10. Not in your panic, top 10. Panic ensues. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now, here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. I hope all's well wherever you are here in Studio 66. We're going to talk some football, but we're also going to talk game of life, but game of fictional life, game of life of lives that you see played out on the silver screen. Yes, it is time for our annual summer movie preview and who better to join us we're going to jump in on some football first but who better to join us in a conversation about both subjects matter uh, both subject matters you can hear him on the wednesday edition of the adam carolla show he and gina grad without adam carolla are going to be your hosts on uh, at the time of this recording tomorrow's adam carolla show the show that you can hear me every day on with adam carolla on good sports it's our main man the longtime sound guy and otherwise for the adam carolla show the uh, wildly popular podcast it's our pal bald brian what's happening i'm, I'm well dave how are you what a pleasure to thanks see for having you. me on again i appreciate it oh it's all always delightful to see you we don't do it nearly enough you're busy like i say doing your stuff cracking wise with uh with ace carolla and gina grad and the rest of the gang up there in glendale and uh, so we appreciate you coming in and uh yeah you always bring in some good stuff for Indeed. us to do i want to try to figure out also 
Well, you're going to go over the highlights and the potential lowlights of the summer movie fair 2019. Indeed. And then also, let's see if we can figure out historically um, some of the best summer um, movie years that uh, that we've ever had here. In the meantime, let's talk pro football here. You and I had a good debate that then sparked a larger conversation for me here at the NFL. It started with, I don't even remember what brought it up, but somehow... I got to asking you the San Francisco for. Oh no, it, I tweeted, tweeted something. About the, the the top quarterbacks. What was it? Super, you said something of the top eight or ten or twelve quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era, and you had um, Ben Roethlisberger on your list, right? And you did not have Steve Young on your list, right? That was ludicrous. Okay, but um, and I've asked a lot of people since. Right. You know, 49ers head coach a long time, Steve Mariucci. Coach oh, he's, a, he's a little biased. I'm a 49ers fan. You are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. There is a natural tendency towards the quarterbacks we have affinity for. But I, as objectively as I could be, I thought that was a, uh, an absurd assertion. Well, a lot of people went my way. But as it happens, some people went your way, too. We had the debate. I took it to, like I say, Steve Mariucci, David Carr. David Carr, whose voice you just heard there at the very top of the show, has been catching a lot of heat ever since. It was revealed publicly that he feels Joe Montana is not in the top 10 of the Super Bowl. I caught that. Now, what, what do you what think is, of that? What is his criteria? Because there's an obvious criteria where Joe Montana is the greatest of all time, four for four for Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. But if you're going by. No, he's not alone in that measure. True. But the, the, absolutely true. He is amongst the greatest of all time and must be included in the conversation. But I'm, talk, are, I'm just talking four for four. I'm simply that, saying that's a are, club of two. There are, in in uh, Mr. Carr's defense, there are other metrics where maybe Joe Montana falls short. I, I, I agree to that. He did not light up the scoreboard with statistics like some of the other quarterbacks of his era. Um, but in as much as Super Bowls are the the most important thing, winning is the most important thing. Um, it's impossible to leave Joe Montana off that. Uh, I think more. I think it goes too far to say not top 10, but I do get the spirit of what he was saying. Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass there. You're objective-ish, at least to the degree that you don't care about the 49ers mm. or the Steelers. But actually, what, with where Tom Brady's concerned, let's talk about that. That's another question that keeps coming up, and, and it's related to Joe Montana. The explanation that David Carr would give is that Bill Walsh conceived of an offense that, in fact, did revolutionize pro football and continues to. 35 years later, most NFL offenses are using some of the West Coast sure. uh, des, de, designs in what they're doing. Most NFL teams still, 35 yeah. years after. Well, it's become de facto offense. You know, you got to get the running back involved in the passing game, so and so. It's just the way football's played. Now. now, what Carr suggests is that this offense so stunned NFL defenses that they didn't know how to respond to it, thereby allowing Montana and company to overrun the NFL. They were playing one, they were playing chess. Everybody else was playing checkers. I kind of get that logic. And then people say, well, so what? Then he went on to win. Yeah. You still got to win the games. <laughs> he still won four Super Bowls. Uh, but here's the wrinkle. Before they draft Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a case that there's something to do with the 21st century Patriots that is akin to those early 80s Niners, which is that personnel didn't matter as much. The scheme was everything, and that's what overwhelmed their foes. Because it doesn't make well, sense that the Patriots, by the same logic, with these well, 21st century Patriots, they don't have pieces that match up with the with, with the other high-end right. teams, and yet they win most often. 
I've probably followed the Patriots the most of any team besides the 49ers because I did go to high school with uh, Tom Brady. I had a, quite an affinity for the man when he was a younger player and was not the Tom Brady we all know now. He was just some plucky quarterback who was leading the team to the Super Bowl, you know, God forbid, and now he is who he is. But back then, he was the underdog, the guy you, you rooted for, the, the upstart kid, you know, the, the, the walk-on, essentially, the six-round draft mm-hmm. pick. Um, in as much as... I did follow those early Patriots teams pretty closely for someone who lived in L.A. They, I don't think it was scheme. They never were about X's and O's. Their scheme wasn't revolutionary. They executed well. I mean, if we're splitting hairs, they executed really well. They rarely made mistakes. They rarely shot themselves in the foot. They executed super well, and they're always making the smart decision vis-a-vis coaching. But to say they were somehow... 49ers were way ahead of the game in their day for the, the West Coast offense and X's and O's on the paper. I but don't, they weren't predicated around a running back and, and right. running the ball on first down. Right. And, they were, very, van, they were very vanilla. They were, they no, were, I'm saying they, they threw the ball a lot. It was just ones? all short passes, the which, 40, Joe oh, Montana. I agree, and I'm, I'm talking about the Patriots. Oh, I'm sorry. They were on. very vanilla they, I'm sorry. in those early yeah. you know, 2001, 2003, right. 2004. They had a running, kind of a running back by committee, I mean, you know, what we'd call today. Not, not, a, Mar- Smith, not a marquee. Kevin Falk. Yes, right. not a marquee uh, running back. Um, was Corey Dillon part of those early teams? Whatever it was, you know, he wasn't. Corey Dillon wins right. with them in 2000, the, the Super Bowl against the Eagles in there you go. So, February of 2005. Antoine Smith. In that era, they didn't have marquee. You know, they didn't kill you with um, overwhelming you with talent or scheme or their, co- their coaching and their X's and O's weren't so far out ahead of the other teams. They just executed really well and they never made mistakes and they always made the right decision. They played great defense. It was kind of the most bread and butter, you know, meat and potatoes football and it mm. won i think right well i but i think that the similarity is is that the, just like those early 80s teams there the, it's not the talent that's getting it done so then what are you identifying you say execution and otherwise i do think that by the mid 80s mm. what was the edge that they had, which was the West Coast offense. This is, I mean, in case you, I mean, I assume everybody knows at this point, you know, generally speaking, it was throwing a lot short, um, relatively safe passes. If you had the right kind of receivers, you didn't need a high end running back to run this offense Mm -hmm. by definition. And NFL defenses pre free agency, especially couldn't just modify their rosters to, to match what the 49ers were doing. It took a minute. It wasn't like, well, you sign a bunch of guys that can help spell that the three, four Dick LeBeau and guys like that started to identify that maybe the three, four is the best way to match up against this uh, offense. As important as those wide receivers, I'm not minimizing Jerry Rice and John Taylor was the um, Brent Joneses and especially the Roger Craig's of the world. That's something not a lot of teams had. By the time that right, by the time the Giants started to push them, by the time the Bears defense had emerged, that's when Jerry Rice arrives and Brent Jones and those guys and now and Roger Craig starts to emerge in his role. And at that point, now they did have overwhelming offensive talent that could keep up. But the first half, those first couple of Super Bowls were all about Bill Walsh. It all leads me to this. Don't you think Mm. to just to jump 35 years now, if you can make a case, and I think uh, there's a fair case, again, Joe Montana shouldn't be out of the top 10 best quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era, but I buy what David Carr is saying by that same logic. If it's what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are doing, do you think that if you're a Tom Brady guy, don't you want him to have, don't you want the Patriots the year after he retires? Don't you want them to not be terrible, but don't you want them to go like eight and eight? 
and not make the playoffs. Because if they don't, if they just keep on rolling, then you have the Montana Steve Young effect, which is like, oh, yeah, the QB. We, as long as, yeah. we can replace him with another decent talent. Well, not I, I mean, say, the, Steve were, Young was actually more talented than were, Joe Montana. Physically, yeah. Athletically, I agree. Well, it's interesting because the more you talk about it, the more I realize the parallels between those Niners dynasty teams and the Patriots dynasty teams, if we can call it that, which I think we can at this point, is the talent came later. You know what I mean? Gronkowski is a mm. significant competitive advantage over you know other teams because he does what not a lot of any tight ends could do at, at that point. Randy Moss for a short period of time. But then they had the talent advantage where the Niners had it with you know Jerry Rice, Brent Jones, uh, Roger Craig. So the talent came later once the team was already established as a semi-dominant force. That's right. And then even when they win the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49, people always act as though this is just a Bel- Belichick's genius once again winning out. But keep in mind, what they did was they started to play the free agency game and they got... Uh, Darrell Revis to fit in there. And those pieces were what made the difference after a long wait between titles for the for the Patriots. You get what I'm saying, Bald? Or, I mean, uh, Eddie Spaghetti there? I'm following it. I thought the original question you were going to ask me was Steve Young versus... <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to, but I got sidetracked. Go I ahead. was not prepared to talk this much football yeah. on the show. I'm sorry. You've done, you've done uh, ably. But I'll go be- ahead there, Eddie Spaghetti. Uh, the one thing I will say... You don't say, even know. You never saw know. Steve Young play, right? Am I right that that's how young he is and that's sad? Mm, uh, no, that's no, 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 no. No, I saw him play... No, the, he retired the, in like 2002, he, he, right? 99 was his last year. Oh, I saw okay. I saw him play for, you know, two, three seasons. Those were not like, the finest. I remember it. Yeah, those were not the finest I will say, just looking at his stat, like his, the ability that he could run makes him like the dual threat, an actual dual threat is pretty interesting. I, that being said, Ben a- averages like 100 more attempts passes per year. Mm. So I guess you have one guy who's the more prolific passer, one guy who gives the, the dual threat. I mean, in today's age, I guess you'd think that Steve Young probably fits it better, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to wait. I mean, they, they could both be top 12. I'm fine with that. Wow. Well, they're picking a side, really picking a side there. I know. That, that's shameful. Come on. You've been in the radio. But why, why, do you have, why is there no room for both? Well, I ultimately allowed it to be groupthink, and I said we'll put Steve Young in there, but we now must wait and see what number okay. seven does over the last couple few years of his career when he's not busy apologizing to Antonio <laughs> Brown, who raked him over the coals. Let's see what he does in Autumn Sunday, and uh, and perhaps if he can make one more run, one more deep playoff run, I think maybe we'll appreciate him a little bit more if he doesn't have 84 and 26 on the on the field with him. Um also, Indomitian Sue goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense because they can pay him a little bit less than what they were paying Gerald McCoy. But right. I think uh, pretty close in uh, in talent levels there. What do we think about uh, Tampa Bay's uh, chances this year? They have a new coach, right? They have Bruce Arians. That's right. Matter That's of fact. right. They're going to put up some more uh, points. Over. In a world of fraudulent QB whispers, Bruce Arians seems to actually be the real deal. Right. As far as that goes, maybe if he can turn uh, Jameis around a little bit, they'll be good. I don't know if the defense is ready to roll. Who's their who's their feature back at this point, Spaghetti? Well, they drafted Ronald Jones last year, uh, yeah, second or third round. It didn't really uh, pan out to anything. Doug Martin's been gone. So That's a tough division to mm. try and emerge in, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I was having this thought about Dick Cutter, how when he was at Arizona State, I'm a big USC fan, as yes. you may know. Uh, I do know that. I was never afraid of a Dirk Cutter coach team. And when he went, that, that's kind of, it's obviously that is not a um, objective measurement. but it's He's one of those, but he's definitely one of those guys who, who has gotten by on the like, oh yeah, he's a QB whisperer. Sure. 
Yeah. So I, and then vis-a-vis QBs, I was thinking about in all the years I was, I was, you know, the glory years I was rooting for USC from when I was there, say 90, you know, really started following the team like 98, 99 till, till now. There's only been two quarterbacks, maybe two and a half of opposing teams who have really scared me. Or uh, when I say scared, what I mean is I would think to myself, oh, Christ, I don't know how we're going to beat this guy. Like this hmm. guy poses a real problem. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was one of them. And not Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota is the half. He was the one where it was like, he, he can damage. He can do some damage for sure. Well, so you're an SC yep. guy. It wasn't Josh Rosen. No, no, far from it. <laughs> Josh Rosen. <laughs> I like Josh Rosen. He may be a very nice fellow. <laughs> I'm not debating that. I'm trying to run through my, uh, it wasn't it was Aaron Rodgers. It, it was Aaron Rodgers. Was it? And that's, that's a bit of a cheat because I ne- he, he beat USC once, by the way, and I think it was 03, and I was never really afraid of Cal, but Aaron Rodgers was so talented and so good. And he went, so in that big revenge game in 2004, when USC won at home by like, I don't know, two or three points, Aaron Rodgers went something like 22 of 24. I mean, it was just an outrageous. He was game. awesome. He was incredible. And, and that I was, was at that game. Like this guy, this guy can't be beat. And that's when Jeff Tedford was his coach. That's right. And another alleged QB whisperer who, I mean, to be honest, I don't know, maybe again, might be a lovely fella, but again, fraudulent mm. when trying to wear that moniker right, right, right. because Aaron Rodgers is his only one mm. actually. To Kyle Bowler him. was pretty hot at the time, but uh, he had Kyle Bowler. Yeah. I mean, he has a list of guys, guys that, uh, that were have. considered to be, Oh, this guy's going to be an- another one who's going to learn yep. at the knee of Jeff Tedford. Um, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers, the other thing was Jeff Tedford had him holding the ball up by his year before he would throw it. And he doesn't really become the Aaron Rodgers We know until he gets to the NFL and they mm. say, stop, holding the ball up there like that drop it down a little bit and you'll be able to pull the trigger more quickly yeah. and uh and and so here and now we, here he is you think aaron Rodgers belongs in my top three that's the one top three that's the one i have top three all time super bowl era yeah. no i yeah. mean he's very good and i think top 12 is a lock but i went three? you can go back and find it at damashek on uh on social media if you want to see the piece that i did with the that blue would- ribbon panel i put together the i i didn't just go with my Opinions. I'd like to see the list. All right, I mean, I'll tell it to you right now okay, off please. the top of my head. Because that would put him above Manning and Brady and I had Montana it number one. <laughs> wow, that's... at number one, I had Tom Brady. Okay. At number two, I had Joe Montana. At three, Rogers. Wow. Four, Elway. Five, Favre. Okay. Six, Marino. Okay. Seven, Peyton. You're okay with that so far? Yeah, was, I'm trying to. I was trying to think along and figure out your metric. Obviously, it's not. It's not just Super Bowls because what Favre has. No, it's not just Marino's Super Bowl, but it so does it's matter. Overall ability yeah. and accomplishments. Um, yeah. So this is. I'm looking list. at who's a passenger yeah. and who's and who was driving. No, this teams. is a list of luminaries. This this all makes sense. At eight, Drew Brees. At nine, I went young. Ten, Roethlisberger. Eleven, I gave the tie to Bradshaw and Staubach, just for historical <laughs> reasons. They. You know, they they butted heads a lot. They were very Celtics, Lakers before the Celtics and Lakers were a thing. No, Bird and Magic were the 80s. Bradshaw Staubach kind of defined the set. I might find room in there for Carson Palmer. But uh, aside from that, your list is uh, is uh, pretty sound. I might you know, rearrange it slightly. I've I've gotten to know Carson Palmer a little bit. Oh, have you? Love What's him. he like? Oh, he's terrific. Oh, I knew oh, it. Oh, he's I a peach. I, he some deep talk. down, I knew it. He loves to talk movies. He's oh, got little kids. We if talk. he's outside the door right now, I'm going to lose my mind. He <laughs> He's, as I've told him, to me, he looks the most like a quarterback of any 
human being that mm. I've ever seen. He yeah, cuts that figure of a quarterback. Yep, he's got that sort of swagger and the But look. he loves, I have to tell him a lot of different things that he hadn't noticed about some of the uh, the animated features from the 21st century. He never noticed them. I also talked to him about Titanic. I pointed out some things, uh, some longstanding. Well, that's probably um, an era of his life that he wasn't watching a ton of movies. I mean, he saw them all, but he was living the high life. He didn't yeah. understand. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't consumed by nitpicking like you and me. With, with relatively yeah, really emptier lives. Diving you know? deep. Speaking of uh, Carson Bomber and those great USC teams, the nexus of our friendship, the part where we intersect and, and just have perfect sim, like symbiotic uh, relationship, mm-hmm. Troy Polamalu, my favorite Trojan of all time. Hmm. Yeah. Top uh, 10 favorite Steeler for me, for sure. But yeah, that's that he... Yeah. Uh, Troy Polamalu. All right, high five on Troy Palomalo on 43. See, football making family. See, here we are, coming together. Bald, I want to jump in on some movie talk here, but okay. before we do, you've got a big event coming up. It's the decade marker of, uh, I assume, the single um, biggest event, save perhaps uh, the birth of your uh, sweet little girl, um, was uh, your uh, cancer scare 10 years ago. Yeah, it was um, 2009 when I was diagnosed with uh, brain cancer and was given... Our president might call it a squabble with cancer. I, 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 a little, you had a right. little squabble well, Yeah, there was, there was a tiff. And um, I was given six months to a year to live, and that was 2009, so spoiler alert, I'm still here. Um, but uh, that year, uh, Adam Carolla and friends of the Adam Carolla Show threw a big benefit concert for me. I was unable to work. I was on a walker. I was in a wheelchair for a, a short period of time. And uh, in order to provide some relief, they had a big benefit concert for me in 2009. A whole bunch of great comedians played, some uh, great musical acts, and we raised a ton of money, and it was a fantastic evening. And here we are 10 years later. I've outlived every, you know... Amazing. Every really amazing. Every prediction, and I, I couldn't be more... Um, happy, of course, but also uh, more indebted just to the world, you know, for the universe. Forgive me this incredible gift of just life, of being around for 10 years. This is my chance to give it back. We're going to have a 10-year anniversary reunion show at the Avalon Hotel, or the Avalon Theater in Hollywood, and it's going to be hosted by me Mm. because last time I couldn't do anything. I was just a passenger. I was just Mm. a uh, participant in my own event, so I'll be hosting this event, Laughs with Bald Brian. It's going to be in November. We'll have tickets on sale soon. Hopefully, they'll invite me back, and I can promote it again at some Mm. point, but uh, it's going to be a big reunion show, some of the new favorites from the Adam Carolla show, and it's all going to go to charity. All the money this time is going to cancer charity. It's my way of giving back. Oh, I uh, would uh, love to be there. Put me down in oh, pencil for a ticket. Would you? Just like, yeah. Looks, okay. well, let me see what my schedule looks like. I don't I'll, know. I'll I, put, I don't want to be a heel. I'll put Dave TBD. Right. Okay. Plus, yeah, question mark. Question mark. Know. Eddie Spaghetti, though, will definitely go. Excellent. See you there, Eddie. Who's, uh, who, who's, who's booked on the big show? We have not announced yet, but it will be a true reunion uh, show. It'll be all the original acts. Oh, nice. Uh, Dana Gould, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, Larry Miller, and uh, a bunch more we have uh, we'll have uh, good soft commits from. We have to firm up some dates, but we're going to announce it pretty soon in the next couple weeks. Awesome. Good for you, yeah. uh, Bald. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a delight every time I go over, like I say, to uh, the Corolla show at least once a week. And uh, always good to see Bald. More often than not, it seems these days, you got uh, you, you got your lovely wife, your nice little girl. What a life you have! Thank uh, you. Ten years removed from uh, from that horror that you went through. Um, now let's talk about something even more important: movies, please, blockbuster. Let's movies. do it. Um, and uh, first of all, a quick overview: what do we need to know for the 2019 summer? It's already really underway. This uh, because they they've extended what blockbusters right. really are when they start coming out. They start coming out in April. First thing, 
your review of Avengers Infinity War. Or no, what was it called? Infinity War was very good. That was a couple years ago. Endgame. Avengers Endgame was a very good movie. I think it's something like 94% of Rotten Tomatoes, somewhere in that neighborhood. That's a little bit much. I mean, in as, so we're, you know, we're kind of grading on a curve in as much as um, you have to grade it for what it is and what it's trying to be. It's not trying to be, um, you know, the Godfather or some. All right. But, but, but you know who you're talking to. You right. know, I'm not uh, evaluating a movie on that level either. <laughs> True. I can appreciate different genres. I like uh, I like, you know. Uh, I like the movies that you named as well, but right. I, I can walk in. I mean, I, <laughs> you, can, you can appreciate a good movie just for being a good movie. That's right. I can appreciate a well-done action Did you picture. see Endgame? I, I, I just said. I, I just said it was overdone. Would I give oh, an I, opinion on it if I didn't see it? Yes, you, that's a very Dave Damashek thing to do. Oh, stop it. That's outrageous. Uh, I thought it was very well done. I it thought, was good. I thought it was, it was very competently made. I thought it was good considering they tried to get so many storylines into this one movie, and they could have done the very... Um, very uh, cynical thing that I hate so much where they take that last bit of Harry Potter or whatever, you know, Hobbit or whatever and split into two movies. And it's like, all right, it was just, it's gonna be two long battle scenes. I don't need this. They packed it all into one and they did a good job considering they had a lot of balls to keep in the air. I thought it did a well, uh, good job. Spa- well, give me, give me a, what should we do? Spaghetti, what's your grading system? For me if, to watch movies, I you just- have a three point system. Yeah. What do you think about it, that as a movie critic? But well, Brian is a professional movie critic. What is, what the, do you what think is the system? Brian's going to hate it. I, I'm an easy grader on movies. It's either a zero. If it's like, don't see it, it's the worst thing ever. It's, it's offensive. It's a waste of time, waste of money if you go to a theater. A one is just like, okay, that's fine. Mm. It, I, I'm not <laughs> mad about seeing it, but it, it's just a fine movie. Probably won't rewatch it. And then a two is like a movie where like, wow, I really enjoyed that. I will definitely watch it again. I would even go to the theater twice. Mm. I will buy DVD whatever like so that's my my scale and m- the majority of movies are one, oh, so it's a zero one or two zero one okay. or two All right. yeah. I kind of like actually if you just you can refine it just down to exactly what you kind of snuck in there in your description zero is how you know the number is how many times you should see it that's it only a movie that's great will you see twice so that gets a two one yeah you right, should see it but you should see it once but and there- then zero don't waste your time that's it but like I, I'm not gonna say the Godfather's in the same scale as like um, you know I just saw like Detective Pikachu. Like I'm not gonna do that. You know what I'm saying? That's why there's a two for that. Like the Godfather or, or Endgame. I love Endgame. Endgame's a two. Infinity War's a two. You know. Uh, have I fun. have I seen too many movies or something yes. that I no longer was as emotionally impacted by this one as I might have been yeah, 15, lost. 20 years I'm ago. Going to, I'm well, going again this week. I thought it was fine. I'm going to go alone again. It's also made, no offense, Eddie, not, not you, but it's also made for 13-year-old boys. Like, this is, this is a movie that is, specifically, like, think about, like, in order to really, like, appreciate and understand all the storylines that are going on, you need to see at least 10 or 12 of the, the Marvel movies that came before. That said, you can go into this and understand what's going on just from never seeing a movie because it's made for 13-year-old boys. It's made to be followed by a 13-year-old. So in as much as... I can adjust my eye as far as yeah. that goes. And let me, let me say this about your rating system, Eddie. I, I actually do like that rating system because you have a criteria and everything sort of falls in that criteria. I personally, Dave, I don't know if you know this about me. I rate every movie I see. I'm mm-hmm. kind of crazy that way, so right. I rate it 
thousands of movies because I rate every movie I've seen and it's all on a one to five scale and it's personal, but it's my criteria okay. is one star. This movie has no redeeming value. Like I don't, I'm not going to remember anything about it. There's nothing to recommend about it. Two stars is like, that wasn't good, but maybe it had some moments, you know, there's a couple, a couple laughs or a couple of you know, dramatic, whatever it is. It's an action movie that kind of sucks, but all right, that's a couple of, you know, there's some redeeming qualities. Three star is, yeah, that's fine. That was good. That was okay. Everyone agrees it was good, or I think it was fine. Nothing special, but it was above average. Four star is where I put Endgame. That's a good movie. I liked it. I'll stand up. I'll recommend it. I'll say, yeah, that's a good movie. You should see that. The five star movies are the ones that are reserved for. These are my favorite movies. These are the movies that I would rank amongst my favorites. Like if someone said, Science of the Lambs, I love that movie. That's one of my all-time favorites. Five star movie. I'd like to hear more of your five stars. But I mean, Endgame for me, I think Bald has it right. I go with the, it changes for me how many, my uh, ranking system Mm -hmm. is. I think the five star system is the best system. Four is essentially A through F. It's essentially A, B, C, D, F. Yeah. I'm going to give, I'm going to, you know what? I give it the exact same rating. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it four stars is how I do that. Who do you think would win in a fight? Thanos, Darth Vader, you don't watch it. You're not a, a right. Game of Thrones guy. Okay, well, just between those two, yeah. I think you posted this on Twitter. Yeah. I think I answered. Actually, I don't know. What do you think? I forget who the third person was. I said the Night King from, but you have to watch Game of Thrones to know what. I know who that is. I, I know who that is, and I I know a little bit about him. But regardless, he definitely comes in third place. So, um, so it's fine. Are we talking about? Infinity Stones, Thanos, or pre-Infinity Stones? Well, Thanos. I mean, that's, how, that's, that's right that's out of the gate. Right how about that right there? He doesn't that's, need it. He'd still win. Without the, without the gauntlet. Over Vader? How would he From still win read, without those stones? Cause, cause, but he took on the entire Avengers and, and basically won twice. And then, you know, other stuff happened. But none of the Avengers were Darth Vader. You know what I'm saying? Like but Vader I think ha- I would pick Avengers to kill Darth Vader. Like Red Witch is really? and Vision are definitely more powerful. If you know, if you like, if you, I read a little bit. People on Twitter, we were talking about. I don't this, like what this is. What Spaghetti does? He read the books for Game of Thrones, so therefore, <laughs> when I point out a flaw right, with the storytelling, he's like, "But in the book, it was better written out that that character would have the even." I was like, shows. "But if it's not in the show, then it doesn't apply here." Yeah, Vader. Well, Vader himself is not as strong, <laughs> as physically strong as Thanos, so that's obviously he's very that's, strong. But no, but but with the power of the Force, with the dark side of the Force, he is. Very, very, very difficult to defeat. You'd so, never get a mid on him. I don't. You'd think never so. get a mid. He would just sub- it, freeze you. He'd force choke you and then be over. Un, it's un, you, I don't even know if that would even work on Thanos. He's a titan. He's like a godlike figure. Yeah, he's very powerful. It, I'm not sure if it even work on yeah. him. I really don't think it would. Can I tell you? Something? I'm saying with with the Infinity Stones, it's not a fair fight. Without, I think I give Vader the edge. Can not I, a, not a strong edge, but like he's in there because he's got. The Here's edge. what's fun, Eddie Spaghetti. When you look at him, mm. you think jock you know like he dresses in like he was ready might go play a pickup football game somewhere with the backwards hat and the yankees gear and and all that he's heavy set how much headwear do you need son (laughs) he's heavy set though but more like a a a middle linebacker in football not like he's not like a blob he's not no 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 he's not the comic book store owner solidly built in the in simpsons but he's you know he's carrying probably 30 to 50 too many pounds (laughs) You know, <laughs> for what's right for his heart. You're, his not, name, you're not wrong. His name is Eddie Spaghetti. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I dare say that this is actually you two could be spirit animals. Really? Because you're both nerds. You're it's both true. supreme nerds. You know? I, I, Do you I, know Bald Brian was a was on game shows? He's such a nerd. I think I did. Such a trivia nerd. Yeah, Everyone knows that. that. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. <laughs> I, I yeah, I do like to you know my fair share of reading like the Game of Thrones books or uh, the, I, I'm not a comic book guy with the Avengers stuff. I really just 
really knew it from the movies. Mm-hmm. But once this stuff kind of came out, then I was kind of reading about it and learning more about the history of the characters and how they change in the comics versus the movies. And that's where I got into like that Thanos uh, v. Vader debate and read about like Thanos and realized how you're getting to yeah, you're losing the spirit of it, Phelps. Well, here you can't do that when when we're talking about the movie and then you start. Oh well, but in the the uh, mythology laid out. In but the, then in the, if you're going to debate movies in '83 to '89, the comic series Thanos was more powerful. This is also where we separate too, Eddie, because I don't read books. I write them. <laughs> it's too bad this is an audio podcast. Ah, the camera's just, right there. You're working. You're playing the cameras on an audio podcast. <laughs> but it was well done, Thank though. Thank you, I admired it. <laughs> um, all right. So tell us. So now the movie season, the summer movie season is underway. Indeed. Tell us. When, I don't even know how to tackle it. When does? Oh, here's my first question. Mm. The trailer is now all over the place. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. How long do we have to wait on that one? Uh, that comes out July 26th. Ooh, it's summertime. Yeah. All right. Um, I. Uh, so the, here's a question for you, and you can debate this. When does the summer movie season start? Does it start at the beginning of summer? Does it start? Was it? June 20th, it's underway. It's absurd. Does I would it start say at Memorial Day, or does it start when that first blockbuster hits? I think when the blockbuster comes. That's what I think too. Yeah, it's what, yeah, it's what the movie industry tells yeah. us it is. So um, that was, of course, uh, Endgame that came out a couple of weeks ago, and that really kicked off the summer season. As much as you can remove yourself from having already seen it, mm-hmm. if I told you you can only see um, Endgame, the last Star Wars coming up. Or um, the Quentin Tarantino picture, which which would you- okay. Well, these are good questions. First of all, it's the Star Wars movie is not a summer movie. That's a fall movie. No, I'm I'm only saying that because I think a fun way to tackle this tackle. You like that? Well done. Light of the camera right there. I got you. Uh, you I know, tackled this. You know your audience. I've ranked my top five uh, films I'm most excited for this summer. Oh, okay, and that'll great. actually address the Quentin Tarantino project. Shoot, I probably don't even know what they are anymore. You'll know a few of these for sure. Um, number five. Well, number five for me would have been Avengers Endgame. I would have been pretty excited for that one, considering this is the culmination of how a decades, a decade plus. You know, I was looking for, forward to yeah, it. So that would be number five. But since it's come and gone, uh, I am very. And this also has. I would have been excited for this anyway, but I'm actually very excited to take my two and a half year old uh, to see Toy Story four. Toy Story 4 is going to be, if it's anything up to Pixar standards and Toy Story standards, it'll be a fantastic. I love Toy Story 3. I love them all, but Toy Story 3 like really hit. You know, I love the Toy Stories, and they're, they're all three really good. But none of them individually rank as the, uh, in my top five animated movies. And I I've, seen, I've seen them all. I agree. That, since the little ones started coming around. Uh, I've seen every animated movie basically from the 21st century, and that's basically what starts the modern era. Right, so give me your I mean, top five then. Like, like by the way, I just want to say, Little Mermaid brings back right. animated movies, big, uh, you know, the Disney making a fortune from these movies and everything, right? Then Lion King? Uh, Beauty and the Beast might have been before those, but it, those are all three. Uh, Lion King is, is after those. Mermaid is for sure before. I mean, you can definitely see... Obviously, you don't have to be an animator to to see that they're you know they've made gargantuan leaps since right. The but that was a Look. rebirth of Disney's animated right. the, the Mermaid and Lion King and uh, Beauty and the Beast. Then they make Mulan, and that's kind of retro in look. And but that's a good one. I like Mulan okay. very much. I Actually, like, it's one of the few I haven't seen. 
Beauty and the Beast. Oh, it's good. Beauty and the Beast is mean is sentimental for me because that's the first movie I took uh, my uh, little my first child to. Oh. Uh, Oprah. Well, not true. We went to see Cars two, and then like we watched for like twenty five minutes, and then she announced she's bored, and so we left. Okay. But so the first full one we saw was Beauty and the Beast, so it's meaningful to us. Still, the best ones go. Incredibles one is your that, best movie. It's very good. Then I think Nemo is two. That's excellent. I think is your second best. And bald. My well, while I'm trying to think about it, Spaghetti. Why did you go and see Detective Pikachu? <laughs> um, I had a couple hours to kill with my friend who was visiting, and it was and we didn't have enough time to sit through Endgame a second time. <laughs> Detective Pikachu is like half the half the length of that movie. I see. So I want to go to Endgame alone myself Friday morning. Um, by the way, I want to share with you randomly. I just see a Please. picture here in front of me because we pulled some other summer movie stuff. I one one important issue I wanted to talk with you about is Top Gun. Okay. Maverick, the hero of the movie. Sure. I know people like to be cute and about you know Karate Kid that oh Cobra Kai that that dojo was actually had the oh right they're being it. terrorized. By I know that people. That's like a funny to, take, but yeah, it's a funny take. But of course, it's it's done for comedy's sake. I actually think that Iceman is the more competent pilot. Oh, I agree with that. He's the better. He's the by the, by the book, one. absolutely. Yeah, that's the guy you want flying the mission. You want some lunatic up there doing whatever he wants because he feels like he's it? unreliable. It's the I last can get thing this you want guy. an Air Force pilot. I know, I know. Listen, listen Colonel, I, I I know how to chase this MIG down better than anybody. I know he was a Navy pilot. What are you doing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, a Navy pilot, of course. Um, yeah, I agree. That that's a that's a solid take. He was, of course, the more reliable, um, which is what you want in a military pilot. And uh, Maverick is up there being, uh, as the name says. I, I hate to be a square, but the Iceman. I don't know. Maybe you don't reprimand your peer like that. You know, they're probably twenty-five-year-old guys, so maybe you leave that to a superior officer. Still, Iceman was correct. Yeah. You're dangerous up there, friend. You know, watch it. You know, now maybe it was his words that got Maverick to, you know, toe the line without without Iceman. Maverick would not have become Maverick. And what kind of and what kind of business is this? How full of yourself do you have to be? Is this a move that you would ever make, Bald Brian, in your days with hair? Um, I mean, to be fair, let's have a bald so when man. I was 12 years old. Right. A, a, a bald man. Oh, can't bald get boy. Away with this. Yeah. Um, but uh, but either way, this move of like, oh, I'm, I got to go to a date. You know, we're playing volley. We're playing beach volleyball. Also, the beach volleyball game, the it, you know, it's homoerotic, right. obviously, with the glistening muscles. <laughs> Highly. Yeah. I mean, it's well known right. that that's the case. Um, and but he wears his jeans. He wears his dungarees. Indeed. But then he also so it's like, ah, it's just a casual right. game. Who cares? Then then why do he bring the hand tape? He's taping the hand. Why do he bring the hand tape? What what message are you trying to send here, Matt? I, I think the uh, the genes are a calculated move. Let me tell you about a That's friend. Right. Let me That's tell you about a friend theory. of mine named Richard in college. We did intramural, you know, for the fraternity, we did like intramural uh, softball. And Richard is a tall, gangly looking dude who showed up to a game wearing jean shorts, not jeans, jean mm. shorts, flip flops, and like a gold wristwatch. He was like very preppy and like very gangly and goofy like glasses and glasses mm-hmm. that guy is that guy is secretly an amazing athlete and no one everyone look one look at him they started to creep in he launched that ball so far over their heads that was the that was the best moment we had all season i love he it. he showed that, up in jean shorts that's a clever tactic yeah. that's kind of like larry bird in the uh in the three-point shooting contest of 1988 maybe he didn't even take off his warm-up jack oh was that was that it 
disarming. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty disarming move. Yeah. Like, well, this guy, he's not going to win. He's not, he's not even taking off his, uh, his warm-up coat, yeah. you know? Yeah. Then next thing you know, Bird's walking off the court with is his that? finger, his index finger. Sucker him in those expectations. Uh, spaghetti. You had something to say there? No, I, oh, just, I agree I thought, with you. No, no, no. You're I, with me. I, I have seen that shirt, though. People buy uh, in Boston had that the Larry Bird with the the green jumpsuit. Oh, you're kidding. Up. Didn't he call the shot? He said he was going to hit the whole last rack, and he like turned around before the money oh, ball yeah. went in. He shoots it, and before the ball comes yeah. anywhere close to going through the hoop, he's already walking away with, his, awesome. uh, with his index finger extended. But Dang. so he plays the sweaty uh, volleyball game. Then he, he's late, so he jumps on his motorcycle, and he races over to um, – Kelly McGillis' house. Kelly McGillis' crib. He runs over there, unshowered, and the first thing he says is, I need to take a shower. Then he takes a shower at her house. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, if he knew that lovemaking was imminent, that's only a polite thing to do. Ah. Right? Interesting. I hadn't yeah. considered that. Yeah, what was what did you consider? That was that's the first time That's pretty presumptuous. See, I don't think. But he'd been trying to bet her for I'm some not, time at that point. I'm not wired in that way that I would that, that I would ever make such an assumption that I would be three steps ahead like that. Okay. It just seems so obnoxious, <laughs> gauche. But also, it, <laughs> see, that's what it takes. See, that's what it takes. That's what you mm. want to be a bad boy. Bad boy move. I'm going to shower at your place. Well, it's, it, you ever it, do that spaghetti? You never showered at a lady's place. I'm, that, at I'm, the start of a but date. That's, or, that's, no. that's dually good, good, good guy and bad boy because he's showing up on the on the hog. He's showing up, you know, with sweaty and everything from the game, and he's like, "I'm gonna take a shower." It totally throws her off at the same time. He's like, "Oh, love making is imminent." So, like, now we're playing both sides. I don't know what to make of. Got to come and going. It's crazy. That's Are we I, still talking about Toy Story Four? I think we got off of the subject. I, mean, I can't even remember what my uh, what my third uh, movie was. Well, let me hit you with this. We did top five Pixar movies on the film vault, and I will uh, hit ah. you with my top five. This Go is not ahead. overall. This is not all animation. Perhaps Moana would find its way into my top five if it was all of animation. But Moana is very good. Movies. Oh, uh, I, I might put Rapunzel up there. Tangled? Tangled. Okay. Very good. It's underrated. Um, it's most underrated one. It might be because I didn't like it very much. I don't remember it very much. So maybe it uh, needs another viewing. Number five for me was The Incredibles. Number four was. Whoa. How could that be so low? Well, they've they like Joe Montana on ex- the top 10. They make excellent movies. I have it above it, just above it. Inside Out. I loved Inside Out. Inside Out is dynamite. It's not The Incredibles. Finding but... Nemo. Okay. Toy Story 3. Okay. And Wally. Uh, Wally's fantastic. Wally's fantastic. That's a, that's a hipster pick. Hip, <laughs> hipster pick. Wally is great. Wally's closing moments as they're dancing to the to the old school music. The first half of Wally is is art. It's beautiful. It's great, and it all comes back around to that moment where they're dancing, and I can't think of the song when we're dancing. Yeah, yeah, cheek to, to cheek. cheek is is splendid. Not better than the Incredibles. So come on, hipster. Incredibles is very good, but it's kind of an adventure movie. I mean, it's a very well-executed adventure movie. No, it's more than just that. They make a stylistic choice. They make. I, I liked it. My number five. I loved it a lot. But what they didn't, there was no reason that they would do this. But the fact that they score it not like a superhero movie, mm-hmm. and in fact, even in the look of it, they they, they stage it in such a, a way that you feel like it's about 1965, and it's got more. Um, spy kind of sound from that period yep. than it does superhero sound. Is it's a, is very a, well is done. It's a crazy, is a weird choice. Why did why did they do it that way? Who cares? It's great. Yeah. The cars, everything looks like it's set in 1965. Mm-hmm. Anyway. My number four movie that I'm most looking forward to this summer comes out this Friday. It's called Booksmart. 
Are you familiar with Booksmart? No. Booksmart uh, comes out May 24th. It is Olivia Wilde's directorial debut of Olivia Wilde, the actress we all know. Um, it stars, uh, it's about uh, these two uh, girls in high school. It's rated R. It's got a terrific red band trailer. It's very funny. Uh, it's about these two high school girls who have, uh, you know, uh, towed the line, been goody-goodies their whole high school career, and come graduation, they're like, we haven't done anything. Like, it's time to you know, go nuts. Kind of a, it's kind of a, um, a little more evolved and a little more adult uh, super bad, if you will. Okay. It's got kind of that same vibe, but a little less silly and a little more maybe coming of age, but also it's an R-rated comedy, so it's going to be very um, raucous and raunchy. But it's, I think it, it, best case scenario, Booksmart's going to reach that, that zenith of you know funny, smart, but also a little bit edgy and a little bit raunchy. Have you seen, that makes me think of, uh, have you seen the new Hulu show, Pen15? No, I have not. Oh, it's so great. It's about two girls who went, when they went into seventh grade together, and now they're telling the story of when they went into seventh grade in the year 2000, mm. and the two women... Oh, they're now, adult women now? They're adult oh. women, but they really kind of, they both are so youngish looking that it's not jarring as they're interacting with 13-year-old kids. Right. You kind of, like, they blend in. Oh, they I play said, their 13-year-olds? Yes, selves? they are in the movie, but it doesn't feel like Clifford, the um, well, Martin Short, Short movie in which he's playing a child. I mean, you feel like, oh, yeah, these these kids are, wait, they're what? Wait, they're those kids are, those are 29-year-olds? Yeah. That, bumps, that bumps me every time. But it's but it's really okay. really great. I'll it's check really it out. funny and and sweet and uh, poignant and all that kind of stuff. You should see Pen Fifteen on Hulu. Go. Number three is right up your alley. I'm assuming you're uh, as excited as I am for Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs, the Fast and Furious spinoff with uh, Jason Statham and uh, uh, The Rock. No jive, you know. No jive. I've never seen. Two seconds. You've never seen a Fast and the Furious movie? I've never seen one Fast and Furious movie. That that is a great example of movies that, well, two things. Number one, a franchise that figured it out along the way. Like, those first few movies are ridiculous and not very good. They've evolved into the other thing that's notable about the franchise is it knows what it is. Those are absurd like, they're what James Bond should be at this point. Like, they're absurd, over-the-top, uh, you know, uh, it's professional wrestling meets, you know, whether they're, they're solving crimes and they're racing cars or whatever they're doing, and it's it's completely ridiculous, but it works because it knows what it is. And Hobbs and Shaw looks like a sort of comedic version of that where the two best people from the franchise, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham, are going to come together. They're, they're a good guy and bad guy, right, in the series, but now they're coming together as a sort of, you know, force to work together. It's, a, it's, it's the tropiest of tropes, but... They have enough charisma that I'm hoping it works. I like Statham very much. I love Statham. He's, he's, on, the bald Ra- he's on the bald Mount Rushmore. Statham? Yeah. Ed Harris. Michael Jordan is Kojak. on the bald Mount Rushmore. Um, Yul Brynner is on the bald Mount Rushmore because he shaved his head by choice. He did it for the king and I, and he liked the look so much he kept it. So is he, that a choice? Yeah, so he didn't go bald because he was, you know, losing it. He shaved his head. Statham, because he's the first, and, and, and The Rock followed quickly, but The Rock had hair for a long time. Statham was the first guy who was a true bald ass kicker. You know what I mean? Like, he... he was like, yeah, I'm bald and I kick ass. So what? Cast me in your movies. And they did. He's the anti-movie star. Who's Is there a bald sex symbol? Ed Harris isn't sex symbol. 
I wouldn't say, but I, women, there are, there's definitely a I mean, sect now, of women who find him attractive. Don't, don't dismiss, uh, you know, th- that's a very common look amongst very attractive black men, you know, Tyrese Gibson and people like, you know, uh, like him, like models and such. Jason Taylor, you know, a former NFL player, very handsome black man. I see. Bald man, I I've say. met Jason Taylor, and he's from not just Pittsburgh, for, but from the same area in oh. Pittsburgh. So I have every reason to like him and to tout his, his rugged good looks. When people have told me, oh, yeah, he's fair. He is one of the very most handsome men That's in what NFL heard. history. I wouldn't know him a guy. <laughs> Those are the best. Those guys are the best. Um, <laughs> I, his, Jason Taylor's charms are complete. I mean, he seemed, he's a very nice guy. I'm saying his physical charms completely lost on me. Maybe he turns it on when it's around, you know, targets. I'm talking about his looks. I, mean, I just said his charm has nothing to uh, do with it. I'm talking when he walks into a room, I don't go like, wow, who's that? I can objectively say he's a very attractive man. The aforementioned David Carr is another one of those guys. A lot of women. Oh, he's so handsome, David Carr. Mm. Really? Never knew that about him. Yeah. Other guys, I get, you know, I get George Clooney. That's a handsome guy. That's a handsome fella. You know? That's right. Uh, Brad Pitt. Very handsome. handsome guy. Leonardo DiCaprio. He's more pretty than handsome. Don't know that I would know that DiCaprio is handsome if I weren't told he was. He's more pretty than handsome. Does he count as a sex symbol? Oh, absolutely. Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. I would say so. I'm not saying that he doesn't have a lot of women, but you know, he's a you know, he's a big movie star, of course, right. and it would doesn't make a difference. Paul, I'm sure Paul Giamatti has right. <laughs> his, a lot of women his followers, too. right. Um, I would say so. I mean, I don't know what the, what the standard is of sex symbol, but it's Leonardo DiCaprio, world famous movie star. Yeah, att- uh, undeniably attractive. Yeah. Tell you another one, John Hamm. Yeah, absolutely. I think would he would not know he's considered. I would, handsome. I would say more so than uh, than DiCaprio at this point. It, the ham is more of a sex symbol yeah. than Rudd. What? Than Rudd? I said DiCaprio. I mean Rudd. Oh. Then DiCaprio. Right. Right. I think so. I don't know. Spaghetti? Who's your, who's your favorite looking uh, A-list uh, guy? So, the, I like both the Ryans, <laughs> Gosling and... Yeah, uh, Gosling's up there. And, I mean, they're, uh, no, they're no Carson Palmer, but they are attractive. They're attractive. And Ryan Reynolds, too. I'm not saying bad. Carson Palmer's handsome. He's not not handsome. I'm just saying he watch, looks like a QB to me. tongue. He just always has the like five days worth of beard on him and stuff. I'm going to tell you about a movie next day that you've probably not heard of, no. but I have very high expectations for this movie. It's called Yesterday. Oh, I, I'm aware oh, of you're the, aware? Oh, Yeah, okay, high concept. Good, I yeah. love the idea of it. It is high concept, as Dave mentioned. It comes out June 28th. Yesterday is directed by Danny Boyle and mm-hmm. is written by Richard Curtis, who wrote the movie Love Actually, which I actually quite like quite a bit. Ugh. Love Actually is a wonderful movie. What? Love Actually is a wonderful it movie. Is. It is. It's the best romantic comedy. It's oh, it. maybe Jerry Maguire. Best romantic comedy. Mm. Oh, no, I set him off. Jerry Maguire cannot properly be classified as that. Yeah. I, do think, I do think that that's uh, Cameron Crowe's uh, best uh, script. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Cameron Crowe. I love that era. I mean, I go back and forth on Almost Famous. I loved uh, Vanilla Sky. I mean, I go back and forth on all these movies. So. I told you before. Say anything. Va- Vanilla Sky, people make fun of a lot. It's they great. Say it was garbage. I, I don't know how coherent it was, mm. but the best thing ever that I've always said that, that what I want most, what I what I crave is Penelope Cruz. She and Tom Cruise are sleeping in the bed. I don't remember the context, mm. but they're in bed together sleeping. And then, or actually he's awake, kind of just looking at her mm. and she wakes up. She starts up. Oh, oh, what's what? what, what? And, she, and she looks at him and says, I was just dreaming of you. Ah, oh, I mean, that's what all a I want in a woman. What a what moment. A, that's all I need. It's just women dreaming about me. What's wrong, spaghetti? 
Why can't I have just, a woman who dreams about I'm me? I'm just laughing. It's a funny conversation. So, Eddie, let me uh, let me uh, sell you on yesterday. So, okay. yesterday is a movie where this musician, he's sort of a struggling musician. He's playing, you know, bars and stuff. And he's in, he's in England. He's a British guy. And uh, he there, there's some sort of, you know, one of those things where, like, lightning strikes or whatever. He wakes up one morning, and uh, the long and the short of it is he's the only one on Earth who remembers the Beatles. No one else remembers the Beatles. He starts to play Yesterday for his friends. They're like, that's an amazing song. He's like, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> it's John Lennon and Paul McCartney. And they're like, who? And uh, he becomes a worldwide sensation playing the Beatles songs, becoming you know a huge pop star. And uh, the you know hilarity ensues. I'm hoping for good things. This is the, this is, uh, this is the, the meeting of a director I like, a writer I like, and a band I love. You know, Beatles, my second favorite band. So uh, Number one? Oasis. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Ridiculous. More of a time and place thing. Spaghetti. Yeah, right. I know. You're of a certain age. That kind of makes sense. But it's a little weird that you would put Oasis, (laughs) who blatantly is mimicking the Beatles. I love them both. I mean, that's what Oasis is. They're they're a a Beatles tribute. I love you and Foxworthy. Am I not allowed to love all the the, the (laughs) two that are exactly the same? It's true. I stole a lot of Foxworthy's material. You know, I agree with Brian on that too, right? The, what? The Beatles Oasis thing. I think I've said that before to Handsome Hank, and you got mad at that like a year ago. I know. Well, it's a ridiculous opinion, yeah. but you're a young person, you know? You know, you have the gravy dripping out of your ears. Right? Number one, number one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm, all, I'm in. Oh, for, are you? I'm yeah. in for anything Tarantino does. Comes out July 26th. I am one of the, apparently one of the few who really didn't like Hateful Eight. I, I did not enjoy that movie. I didn't think it was up to his standards, but everyone seemed to enjoy it to some degree. So even though I felt a little burned by Hateful Eight. I fell asleep watching it. It's not very good. What it, it's uh, not very good. Uh, I loved Inglorious Bastards and I loved them. They're Tarantino's a home run hitter, which means sometimes he's going to strike out and sometimes it's going to be out of the park. I'm hoping this one's out of the park because I love, love, love some of his movies. Give me, we'll start with you, Spaghetti. Rank, let's do a quick draft of Tarantino movies. Okay. Okay, Spaghetti, you have the first pick. Did he... This is not going well. You don't know Tarantino movies? He he didn't direct True Romance, right? No, he wrote it. Can we count the movies he wrote, like Natural Born Killers? I mean, that's already cheating. I really like True Romance. Let's just just go with uh, movies he directed. Yeah, just do his movies. Tarantino movies. I mean, if I have first overall pick, I'll just take Pulp Fiction. Yeah, that's You love Pulp Fiction? I think it's worth the first overall pick. Yeah, You love it? Because it predates your your time uh, on the Big Blue Marvel. I I do. I do. I, I enjoy it a lot. It's a two in my scale. Oh, it's two. Yeah. yeah, that's one of my all-time favorites. I owned that one on VHS back when that was popular, and DVD. I love that movie. I would have taken it first. People want to. Uh, people are overthinking things. You know, it's the same thing as people who want to talk about like, oh, I mean, it was good, but when they like, you know, it's yeah. great, and stop talking about. You it. can break anything down into well, there was this, and well, it had a singular voice, a singular vision. It was unlike anything we'd seen in recent movie path. The movies had gotten a little stale, and it was a breath of fresh air. It's a great movie. Well, we're really putting together. Okay, go ahead. You're, you get My the second, second pick. Yeah. I'm going to go with his uh, almost as good movie as Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards is underrated. It's excellent. It really is good. I get that some people get lost by the final 10 minutes, 5, 10 minutes, with the um, a Jewish person's fantasy mm-hmm. Uh, destruction rewriting history of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. I get that that plays to, and I can see that some people would be like, all right, they got silly. It got, they got cartoonish and silly. But, but that to me is almost like a magician revealing his trick at the end. It's like, oh, this whole time I was just, you know, I was, I was playing you like a fiddle. You know what I mean? Like, you're not supposed to take this seriously. 
but it's but it's it's a fantastic movie. It's great, mm-hmm. and but you know what might be a little bit better than that movie? Kill Bill. Which one? You can only choose I one. I put them together. No, I, no, no. That's no, how no, he. No, no, no. That's how he wanted them to be, and so that's how I see them. He I, wanted you, it to be one large feature. You imagine. Got to pick one. Imagine if you're in the movie house. This is outrageous. I, if you bought a ticket for one of them, would the theater let you into the other? I mean, I think I'm allowed to play it the way I'm doing I, it. And I'll I tell mean, you this. I also it is feel the DDFP, but the only thing that's bad is I the, the crazy 88 fight, you know, when he's when she's killed. That goes on no a with little it. too I got long. no problem with it. I'm fine with it. It goes on a little too long. I think that that would have been condensed if it were if you would have put those two movies together. There is not a better 20 to 30 minute stretch from the moment that in Kill Bill um, he, she shows up, uh, Daryl Hannah shows mm-hmm. up with the briefcase of money with the, with the mamba, Snake, the yeah. black mamba in it through the point that, uh, Uma Thurman removes Daryl Hannah's eyeball. I mean, that 20 minute stretch is, is That's pretty great. Is, is about so, as a fun stretch of movie as you'll ever see. I'll, I'll put, I'll put the screws to you, Dave. And I think I know the answer now. Would you choose two or one? That one's in number two. Right. So I guess I'll take number okay. two. So number one's still on the table. Eddie, what's your next draft pick? So just do you, so you're going with two. Uh, I mean, Reservoir Dogs is sitting there. I know. I was going to say I, I'd probably go with that next two. I'm just going based on value. Jackie Brown is a scooch overrated. It's fine. It's not even that good. Oh, people loved it when they came out. It was hair. It was hailed. Mm. Um, okay, Reservoir Dogs off the table. So for me, it's between. Actually, no. It's, it's just got to be. I guess it's got to be Django. No, Kill Bill Volume 1. I love Kill Bill Volume 1. So I got number one. Yeah, the stuff with um, uh, with the cereal box. That's and, great. Uh, uh, the stuff what was with, her name? Uh, it was... Um, it was uh, uh, she had a tiff with Kimmel. I remember that. Kimmel asked her a question, and she got up and walked off the set. Really? In the early days. I didn't Kimmel know that. refused to come back. What was her name? Vivek A. Fox. Vivek A. Fox. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was a very funny episode. God, that was a that was a great scene. The the the, the stuff with uh, the stuff with the hospitals is great. The, yes. It, it, I actually I like volume one better than volume two. So this worked out. This worked out well. Bald. We're talking. I mean, uh, spaghetti. We're talking a lot about uh, movies and stuff here. Do you feel like this show is going all right? Are you bored with it? Are we adrift? What do you want? You know, I think this, this is an off season special. I think is what our fans like. Okay. All right. I want so to for your next pick, Dave, do you go Django? Do you go? Do you even consider like the Grindhouse? The movies like you know he kind of co directed that kind of stuff. Um, no, I don't care okay. about that. I actually don't. I don't care about well. the Grindhouse. Yeah, no. I think we've covered it. I, I, although Reservoir Dogs has some spectacular scenes, it does. I, I think my favorite one. I can't believe Django's gone this far. But my two, my two favorite scenes in Reservoir Dogs. One is when um, uh, Christopher Penn and Michael um, Madsen. Michael Madsen are in the old guy's that, office. Right. Um, and they have their wrestling and everything. That's a great scene yeah. of, uh, of testosterone. And that's what all those Tarantino mm-hmm. pictures do best is who's the man who's in charge in the room right now in every circumstance. It's always who wins that, who's got the swagger and otherwise and the legitimate threat that he might kill you um, kind of vibe to it. Um, the other one I love is um, when, what's his name? Timothy Tim uh, Roth. Tim Roth. The undercover cop. He's telling the joke or he's telling the story about. I the, love the story, but I love when he is getting singing. ready to he's, go, oh. and he realize you know you cannot, you gotta fool these guys. They will kill right. you if they figure right. out that this is that this is a lark. They're gonna kill you. Right. And how much pressure? I don't know why 
uh, Tarantino was able to capture that much better than anybody else. But as he's walking out the door and he looks down and he sees the car full of uh, the toughs down there waiting for him and he looks in the mirror and he talks to himself for a second that, I mean, what that would be to actually do that, yeah. to put yourself in a car That's a good with killers yeah. and be like, yep, you better make sure that they believe that you're lying, that, that they don't uh, figure out you're lying right now or they're going to shoot you. <laughs> That's a great little scene. I'd forgotten about that, but you're right. Where he kind of psychs himself over the right. mirror and then heads out to meet the uh, Mr. White. And uh, I think Eddie's in there. Cousin Eddie. Nice guy, Eddie. Mm-hmm. And uh, possibly Mr. Blonde. But it's definitely Mr. White. That sounds right. That's right. Okay, go ahead. Uh, that's it. That's the number oh, one. Oh, that was the number one. one. No, July 26th, starring a huge cast. I can go over it, but the aforementioned DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. And it's about uh, the it's about the Shannon Tate murder? No, I think it's about that era in Hollywood in the late 60s. I believe some of the characters, i.e. Sharon Tate and perhaps some of the Manson family people are involved in the story. When the, tra- but it the is trailer makes about- it look like Manson has a prominent role in it. He may very well, but Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, the two headliners, do not play Charles Manson. So no, no, that. but I mean, it just looks like they're somehow involved oh, in it based you know, on the trailer. Yeah, I think there is some, yes, I haven't, I haven't seen that trailer that came out recently, but uh, I, the, the story figures in prominently because Sharon Tate's like the third, you know, built character. Will this movie year, mm-hmm. will we 15, 20 years from now look back and say this was the greatest summer movie year ever? Will it beat 1984, mm-hmm. which had Ghostbusters? That was 84? Temple of Doom, Karate Kid, I mean, we could stop there. You're not going to beat that. That the murderers row. Gremlins. Gremlins uh, is a summer movie. Yeah. Purple Rain. Red Dawn. Revenge of the Nerds. Top Secret. Bachelor Party. The Natural. Forget it. That's uh, your champ. Top and Secret. Not... Top Secret is a very underrated movie. It's pretty good. I do enjoy that movie quite a bit. Um, okay. Now let's get to it. Are uh, the thing that we do every time Bald Brian pays us a visit. I can't imagine that you keep coming up with these, and I'm bummed because I send them to you. Let me see if look I at this list. Look at this th- list. Are these the ones I sent you? You didn't send me anything. I didn't. Send- oh, no, no. Actually, these are not the ones you sent me. You didn't I, check on no, Twitter I, or anything because I, I, I try I, to be mindful when people send them to me. I try this, to this came them down to the you. pike uh, semi last minute, so I keep an email going, an email draft to myself going at all times with usually my own thoughts. And the ones that you uh, send me on Twitter, I favorite, but I didn't get a chance to you know go on Twitter, get those, and then put them up here. So we'll save those for next time. People have brought up some some uh, great ones. So okay, go ahead. All right. Well, I, I've got these ones. Okay. Speaking of the Incredibles. Now, by the way, let's just say what this is. Oh, yes. Place re- the movie place redundancies are, I mean, actor redundancies. We we noted, uh, Bald and I did, a while back that it's funny that certain actors end up doing the exact same things in more than one movie. Mm-hmm. The one, I guess, that first caught my eye was Kevin Spacey being the subject of a police sketch artist in both Seven and The Usual Suspects. That's right. Um, Billy from, uh, from A Predator. Billy, oh, that's my favorite one. That's, right. that's my favorite one. Billy from Predator and from 48 Hours. Also named Billy. Yes. Yes. Billy, in both those movies, his real name is Billy. He dies um, shirtless in both. And in both, he's holding a giant Rambo knife. Predator kills him on the giant log that's crossing the stream. In Predator, we don't see that death, but we hear it. And then in 48 Hours, Eddie Murphy shoots him dead after just after Billy made his love on uh, on a hooker. That's right. So he two separate movies. Room 
and sees him, and he, he, try, he grabs his knife, right. and he like ha, 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 he try he laughs, and then he and then uh, Murphy shoots. So him yes, to death. This, these are examples of actors doing the same thing or remarkable similarities in two different movies, unrelated movies, of course, not sequels or something. And it's not you know people uh, you've mentioned before. It's not like oh Arnold Schwarzenegger plays the same character in different. No, it's not that. It's, it's no, a little right, more specific. Right, right, yeah. I'll give you an example. Speaking of Incredibles, Catherine Keener, Incredibles two, and in Get Out hypnotizes people in two movies. Wow. That's right. Oh, nice. Uh, Oh, speaking of Predator. That's a weird one, legitimately. I know. Speaking of Predator, Carl Weathers loses his right arm to a non-human creature in two movies, Predator and Happy Gilmore. Wow. That's true. Chubbs, he lost his arm. That's right. That's right. He did. Yes, he did. In two movies. You know, of course, my my, uh, story with uh, Creed. No, I do not. Well, uh, once David Feeney from uh, the other half of uh, Daves of Thunder. I'm not familiar with that name. Well, you, you remember when you gave him the hi-hat? At the oh, Anna's, David Feeney. Remember that? When I you gave him the you hi-hatted uh, Feeney? He did, not, he did not appreciate that. I wouldn't uh, either if someone did it to me. <laughs> I, could, I could so see you doing that. I didn't is the funny part. He, he's now met me halfway. He's like, it was loud. Maybe you didn't hear me. I'm like, of course I didn't hear you. I wouldn't just ignore someone who said hi. So it was a weird move either way. (laughs) One time I'm out to dinner with David Feeney and our significant others and Carl Weathers. It was, it was, in fact, it was, um, uh, what's it called? The great Italian restaurant downtown. Um, Oh, uh, the great, uh, you know, anyway, it's a fancy place. Hard to get into all that kind of stuff. What is the name of that joint? Making me crazy. Should eat there if you haven't been there. It's terrific. Anyhow, Olive Garden. That sounds right. Okay. Uh, that, that is definitely on Definitely down Spare. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, either way, we're sitting in this uh, restaurant, and um, uh, all of a sudden, we see at the bar, dressed exactly like he is over our left shoulder here, um, in his black suit. He comes in, and uh, but with a black shirt underneath. He looks exactly wow. like you'd like Apollo Creed That's to right. look like. And uh, he goes over to the bar, and he sits at the bar. He must be a regular at this place. They know him clearly. And we summon the waiter over quickly and say, please send Mr. Creed a drink on us. And uh, a couple minutes later, Creed has his drink. A couple minutes later, before we know it, we're turned in the other direction, and we turn, and over our table is standing Apollo Creed. Wow. The Count of Monte Fisto. He says, who the hell do you think you are? And he says... I just wanted to come over and say thank you to you, gentlemen. And he shook our hands. Wow. Shook our hands, and he sat there, and he answered our questions for five wow, minutes. Wow, what a about, gentleman. Talked about Creed, and we talked about mostly Creed, a little sure. predator, worked yeah. in a little predator. Sure. Who do you think? What's your answer to this question? A ball, I mean, uh, Spaghetti, have you seen the Rocky movies? Uh, surprisingly, I have, yes. Surprisingly. Well, I don't. you know me. I don't oh, really right, watch you know. the 70s, 80s movies. Who would win that tournament? Uh, uh, everybody in their prime in the Rocky movies, who would win that fight? Creed, Balboa, Drago, Lang. Well, I mean, the only person to beat them all is Rocky Balboa. That's right. I mean, that's, you know. The, but Creed's the, not in his prime. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. What, what, the what, master of disaster was not, I mean, like he's in, you know, he's Ali circa 81 when he mm-hmm. fights Balboa. He's not, he's not who yeah, he was yeah. at that point. He's, he's the greatest heavyweight of all time in that universe. Oh boy, both Creed and Clubber Lang have a victory over Balboa at one point. That's correct. I mean, we never saw Creed in his prime, so we have to no, assume he was 
better than the best we saw. Him. Which is why I was so sad when I heard they were making the movie Creed. I jumped it with. I was like, like it was like a prequel. I thought it was a prequel about Creed. That yeah. would have been a better movie. <laughs> I agree. I thought Creed was a yeah. fine movie, but I thought I, I still feel deprived. Yeah. I want to see the backstory of Apollo Creed. But I'm anyway. with you. Um, yeah, in as much as we don't, we don't, we've never seen Creed at his peak. We have to assume he's better than the best Creed we saw, who beat Balboa. So is he the is he the uh, the winner? Well, I mean, what a lot of people will tell you is Drago killed Creed in the ring. Yeah, but he was an old, was man, old man at yeah. that point who showed up it's out for, of shape. He showed up. He wasn't showing up for a prize fight. It was an exhibition was against some Russian fella. Exhibition. That's right. That's right. Drago betrayed him. It was not. Uh, it was not in good faith that Drago hammered uh, the world champion. Mm. I'm gonna go off the board and say Tommy Gunn. Jerk. The correct answer is Creed in his prime. Spaghetti. I mean, uh, <laughs> no love for know. Tommy Gunn. I would, I would just go with with Rocky. Like, did you see the Deontay Wilder knockout? I did. Oh, oh wow. awesome! Good. First round, one of the greatest knockouts I've ever Oof. seen in my life. Sheesh, was that? He knew uh, he connected too. Was that brutal? He, okay, did, a, he did a home run trot. Are we keep going? Oh, I didn't finish my story. Wait. So we're talking the Creed, and Creed. You know, oh, thank you very much for the drink. You know, we talked. I asked him that question: Would Creed in his prime be able to defeat Drago and? Lang and Balboa, and he chuckles, and I think he agreed. Ultimately, the Creed would win that fight. Um, anyway, he makes his way back to his seat, and an hour or whatever le- later, we get the bill, and uh, we notice Creed got himself a second drink. Uh, bill, which is the greatest move ever. That's the- <laughs> That's the greatest move. What are you going to say? Hey, you know, Apollo, we wanted to get you a drink, but you're throwing a second one on. He knows we're never going to call him on that. (laughs) Do you remember what he drank? I don't. Uh, It has to have been. It has to have been like a vodka rocks or something like that. Right. Or maybe it was Um, a martini or something. I don't remember. I I kind of vaguely recall. It sounds like it was. It wasn't a beer. It wasn't a wine. wine. So, yeah, it was something hard. I like that. All right. Speaking of Jerry Maguire. This one comes from Joe Mulder on Twitter, so I did write down a few of these. Tom Cruise. The pitcher? Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's Joe Mulder the pitcher, but it is, it is at Joe Mulder, so perhaps it is. Okay. Uh, Tom Cruise acquires a new family member named Ray, who has the emotional intelligence of a six-year-old in Rain Man and Jerry Maguire. Wow. That's good, Joe. Wait a minute. He also has a jailbird brother named Ray in the firm. You rem- How do you remember that? Because it was just on recently. Oh, I was going to say, the firm has not been brought up too many times in recent history. That's a weird wrinkle to throw yeah. in. He's had three siblings named Ray? Well, the kid was the kid in, in Jerry Maguire. It was a new family member. Okay. Uh, but three family members named Ray. That's weird. something. I didn't remember that in Jerry Maguire, the little kid is named Ray, but okay. Michael Keaton plays a uh, Detroit auto worker who loses his job in two movies, Mr. Mom and Gung Ho. Tony Collette. Pittsburgh uh, native, playing uh, uh, yeah. a blue-collar uh, Detroit guy. Interesting. Tony Collette, uh, in The Sixth Sense, her kid talks to dead people. In Hereditary, did you see Hereditary? No. In Hereditary, dead people talk through her kid. What? Yes. What a weird casting I thing. I know. Does she bring it up? Does she say? You know, it's She's funny. Like, hey, it's funny you mention that. I, my child has a similar ability. Uh, Ewan McGregor. Stars in two movies told mostly through flashbacks where a dad dies of cancer, Beginners and Big Fish. Hmm. Hmm. James McAvoy, uh, uh, Charles Xavier in the new movies, uh, the X-Men movies, plays a bald man with superhuman abilities in two movie franchises, X-Men and Glass. 
Split Glass, you know, those two movies. That's he was exactly right. Yeah. Maybe he'll that may maybe make sense then when they make the bald Brian autobiographical <laughs> picture. I guess that will uh, complete this. I assume anyone can uh, can shave their head. In Big Eyes, Christoph Waltz plays a man who takes credit for creating paintings of little girls with oversized eyes. In Alita, Battle Angel came out earlier this year. He plays a man who recreates a robot little girl with oversized eyes. Hmm. And by the way, is, is it uh, disappointing as we bring up... Uh, Glorious Bastards that since he won the Academy Award, he's had some good performances, but he hasn't really become, would you put him on par with sort of high-end character no. performances with, say, Robin Williams or somebody like that? I think he has exceptional ability, but his roles... I'm saying been, what he's done. Yeah, his roles have been mostly average to slightly above average. I mean, he's had a couple of gems, but... Yeah. Yeah, but, okay. but the, the gems he had, he hasn't really built on those. Like we all know Christoph Waltz, we all like Christoph Waltz, but he's he's just kind of like in the demon, the James Bond movie. I was kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Noah Emmerich. We put a picture of Noah Emmerich because you'll know this guy. You'll know who Noah Emmerich is uh, once we get a picture of him. He. There oh yeah, he's in. Uh, he's in. Um the Truman Show. He's well, Truman's in, best friend. In The Truman Show and in Little Children, he buys beer for his best and only friend. He only has one friend in both. That's right. Every time he goes to talk to Truman, talks Truman off the ledge, he always brings a six-pack of beer. Uh, Perry Reeves, who we'll put a picture up, you'll recognize her. She was the uh, wife of Will Ferrell in Old School. Sure. And the wife of fellow Old School co-star Jeremy Piven in Entourage. She goes to see a, a therapist, a marriage therapist in both. That one is from Jeremy Neighbors on Twitter. Very nice. That's a good one. Uh, put up a picture of uh, Michael Rispoli, because he's a character actor you'll recognize uh, from Rounders, most likely. Uh, Michael Rispoli, uh, play, he played Grandma on Rounders, right? He uh, plays a loan shark with a client who takes an unusually long time to repay his debt in Rounders and Snake Eyes. I wonder, see, he is an Italiano, and he, you know, he's also, I think he is, isn't he Tony's cousin? Oh, in Sopranos? Yeah, isn't he Uncle Jew's kid who who dies early or maybe? Oh I don't, God, I remember that. That maybe that Eddie'd have to look that up. I don't know that for sure. I think he was the. Bo- I I might be wrong. I think that he was Tony wasn't the boss, right? Well, Junior was the boss, right? Right. right. But I think that this guy was the boss well, like, until he got sick uh, and died, okay. and then Tony became the boss. I don't remember that season one very well. I think that I might be right. Yeah, about you are. That. Sorry, I was off mic doing the, the pictures. He he was uh, Jackie April. So I'm right about yeah, that? Yeah, you're right. He was oh. the boss, and then he was in the hospital, he was sick, and then he passed, and that's not right. So, yes. Yeah, All right, two more. Tim Allen plays a toy who mistakenly believes he's a space commander in Toy Story, after uh-huh. in Toy Story. In Galaxy Quest, fantastic movie, yeah. he plays an actor who aliens mistakenly believe is a space commander. Wow. Uh, that's good. That's going the extra mile. Finally, hot uh, character actor Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, do you know who that is? You know, you have to look at a picture. Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, he's, he's the yeah. bad guy. In fact, movies have now become aware at, at a little more accelerated rate than they used to. He always, he's the bad guy he's in Rogue guy. One. And uh, yeah, he's really good at doing that. They've already figured out, oh yes, everybody expects him to always be bad. So they use him to see, to seem bad and That's then right. he turns good. Send the other way. So speaking of which, in The Dark Knight Rises, he's in The Dark Knight Rises, Ben Mendelsohn says, I'm in charge to Bane, a menacing villain in a black mask. And, Bl- and Bane asks, do you feel like you're in charge? And then he kills him. Do you feel like you're in charge? That's right. And then he do kills him. Do you feel him. like you're in charge? Now is not the time for fear. <laughs> In Rogue One, 
Ben Mendelsohn asked Darth Vader, a menacing villain also in a black mask, hmm. if he's still in charge. Vader nearly chokes him to death. I guess he learned his lesson. Now is not the time for fear. It's pretty good, right? It's pretty good. I mean, like the... the How'd you get that drop so fast, Eddie? The elementary ones are, uh, are like, uh, what's his name, who plays Bane? Uh, Hardy. Tom yeah, Hardy. Tom Hardy. I mean, like that people think they're clever when they send us those ones. Mm. Like, oh, he wore a mask in right. a couple of movies. Yeah. Uh, come on. You know, that's that's, that's day it. one. That's, that, we that's, got that. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, a 100 level class. Yeah. We're at the 500 level or graduate level. Um, all right. Listen, we've, we've, that was we've, something. we've done it all. I think we did a good show. I don't know. Do you agree, Spaghetti? Give it a letter grade. Give it, give it uh, zero, one or two. It's a two. Oh, it's a two. Oh, this is a two show. What yeah. do you give it uh, your five star system? Oh, this is a four-star episode. I don't know Call if this is two. one of my all-time favorites, but Call uh, it three. No, four out of five. This is this is a good one. I recommend this to people. I don't. You you can go if you have places to go and people to meet. Bald, but I we we would be um sit, well. We'll do it a little bit more with handsome Hank. Sure. But and I think people. I think there's some Game of Thrones finale fatigue. I really do think. And by the time you're listening to this, everybody the world over has complained. Do you have anything nice you want to say about it? Uh, I. I'll say that I'm looking forward to the sixth book and the future series from George R. R. Martin that's going to hit television. He said he has five with HBO, two with Hulu, and one with the History Channel. Not all based on A Song of Ice and Fire, but um, definitely some spinoffs and prequel sequels. I mean, we're going to do this again, but I have to say a couple of things. One, when Grey Worm leaves... When they get on the boats, like they're the only people who cared about the punishment to Jon Snow, weren't they? Well, like, okay, now that the Grey Worm and those guys are gone, like you don't have to actually go. They you, just don't want you to, can hang out here. No, because the the whole point was with the, the meeting with the council. They don't want them to get word that oh, Jon's back and he's not a bad. Oh, who's gonna tell? Who's gonna say anything? They're, just have him shave his beard. They and just, that's it. They just don't want that. They don't want more conflict. They're trying to end conflict. So that's the reason why he has to agree to the punishment, or they will come back and they will start another war, and they don't want that. Um, what happens with the dragon? Where's Arya go? Yeah, that's another good question. Valeria. I thought Jon Snow is such good, like, he, he gets along with those dragons so nicely. Why why would the dragon leave? Why doesn't he want to hang out with Jon Snow? Why doesn't Jon Snow say, hey, listen, go do whatever you have to do with Danny. I know that's your mom, so take your take your time, but come on back. Well, let's hang out. We'll, we'll have here. a good time. We have a lot of good, so we, we, we can do a lot of good stuff together. If it was Rhaegal, like, his dragon... Potentially, but not Drogon. Not that dragon. Drogon wouldn't, his, have, no. wouldn't have had that. No. Hey, how about that? I did predict that the dragon would burn the, the throne. The, I did say that, yeah, right? Yeah. I did. Pre- I got very few other predictions. <laughs> and That's by the way, one, Bran is the lamest answer to, to get the thing. I don't think the storytellers really understood that they have the one guy stand up and make a big thing about like, uh, like I shall be the, I will take the throne and I'm, I've been there. And then Sansa says, you haven't done anything, and she humiliates him. And then they promptly say, Bran, you should be the king. And it's like, yeah, he hasn't done anything either. If that, if the measure is who's done anything, that guy hasn't done anything except sit around the whole It's show. more to do with, like, you know, his, that's, uh, like, I guess the kid's uncle. That's, like, Edmure Tully who says that, and he wants the throne. The whole point of him saying that is to shoot him down, to say, well, because you want it. I mean, if you want it, it means you can't have it. And Bran doesn't really want it, but now he has to have it because he was appointed to it. And I think they like the idea of breaking the wheel. Bran can't have children. Like, it's going to just be him. He's smart enough that he can think about stuff in the past. He knows some of the stuff in the future, because and he could war against the Ravens. So like he does make sense 
as to being the leader of the new six kingdoms. The problem is how they got there and explaining his past and stuff. Like it, the writers didn't do a great job of that at all. I think a quick fix for that would have been to have John be name leader. John pass it off to Bran. And uh, that would have probably satisfied more of the, the people who went crazy on Twitter and Reddit and were not thrilled. I didn't up. mind. I will say I don't mind Jon Snow that that's his that that's how his story ends, that he goes off into the he always uh, kind like, of agree. He, he seemed he liked uh, being out. I kind of agree. He's one of those uh, four season kind but of then people. Why they didn't want to be in. I don't know why they town. showed him. They showed him as upset. They showed him as like he didn't like, unwillingly was there. I didn't I, I feel have, like that. I felt like it was oh, kind of like this is my fate. Now, I, I'm back. look, it wasn't like he showed up and was high fiving. was like, let's you know, have fun. He showed up like he was just, you know, he's leaving his family again. I get it's supposed to be a bittersweet thing. He's still alive, but he's by himself. If he decided his own fate and he was like, I, I'm choosing to go north. I don't want to be king. And everyone knew what his lineage was. I think it's a little bit better of an answer. I just don't know that. I don't know when I'm going to be able to invest in emotionally in a TV show again. Not after Lost and now Game of Thrones. Can I tell you something? I don't know if this is, this is, I will acknowledge that, uh, when I turned my back on TV, I made a poor decision because there's been amazing television that I've missed. That said, it was the television loss that did it to me. I was like, I can't, I can't invest this kind of time anymore. I have too many movies to see. I need to see every movie. It's and weird. That's, that's my guess. That's my, that's my quest. But you've seen Breaking Bad? No. Whoa. Not seen Breaking Bad. I heard it's excellent. I'm not, I'm not denying that it is probably very, very good. That's a winner. That yeah. one, that one would be hard to argue against. You know what would be funny? Actually, you know what we'll do next time? Mad Men? Well, you know what we'll do next time? Throughout throughout history, from from whenever you want till today, uh, let's see which TV shows Brian has seen. It might you might guess right, it might guess wrong. I am because down- I have seen some TV shows. I've, I, for example, I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. You have I okay. Have. Um, that payoff was that was an uneven final couple. Of I love that final episode. I thought the I, final I, episode. I have no. Qualms. I stand by that final. episode. I do too. I do, but it's the it's the run up to that, the dream stuff with Tony and I all didn't that. Mind that. I didn't get the. I just didn't grasp what the point of it was. Hmm. What we were supposed to take from that. Yeah, he was imagining a life. I guess had he not uh, gone into a life of crime, he was Kevin Finnerty, which is kind of like Infinity. You know, he sort of. There's a lot of uh, Eastern philosophy there. Remember, there's two like Buddhists who keep coming up to him in his dream. Uh, there, there's a lot of written about it. I don't necessarily know that it's there in the uh, on the screen, but there's a lot of you know analysis that you can dig into online. Also, handsome Hank uh, suggested, and maybe we could do that the next time too. Is the best movie in each of the twelve months on the calendar. The greatest release. Oh, the best to come out in January. The best to come out. Yeah, okay. Maybe. It, uh, someone would have to do the legwork, but uh, I'd be willing to listen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laugh because I'm looking at Eddie Spaghetti. Actually, you know what? That, that would be hard to do. Because, I think it would be uh, very difficult uh, you know, to figure have, that out. No, you know what? Uh, Eddie, write this down. Box office mojo. You can look at every movie released by by month, by week, for God's sake. Will and, only be thousands of movie titles yeah, long but per once month. Once you get past the, like, the top... 250 you're not going to find you know, a gem that far down you know what i mean it'll be in the top 200 so it's a little bit of legwork but at least it's already organized for you all right we covered a lot of ground here we went over an hour for sure didn't we spaghetti we are at an hour uh, 18 right now oh sweet heavens is there anything we can cut 
I don't know. Is there something to cut spaghetti? No, we're fine. People they'll, they'll eat this up. It's off season. There's not really much NFL stuff going on. We, we talked we a lot. That of, too. We talked a lot we of football. We talked about a lot of football. If you want to cut the football talk out and just get straight no, to the movie stuff, we can do we're, that. We're fine. Is that what you'd like to have happen, spaghetti? I don't I mean, want uh, cut. bald. No, actually, I, I actually really like coming on here and talking football because I do know a little bit about the game. I'm not an expert. I don't belong here, like you know, as an anchor on this network. But like, I do know a little bit. And the fact that I come on and talk a lot of movies, I think people like to. Oh, you know, football too, or at least a little bit. See. Bald Brian. Yeah, you're welcome to join uh, me and uh, Ace Corolla on Good Sports anytime you oh, like. Thank you, sir. That's uh, that's good times. Make sure you check have that you found out. A, uh, have you found a, uh, a location in Los Angeles to do an episode at someone's house for Dave's of Thunder? Dave's of Thunder. We have many good offers, okay, but good. Feeney is worried that uh, if that the people who are contacting us intend to kill us. Okay, well, he thinks that when we get to their house, that somehow they'll that, that we'll wind up murdered. Well, my my house is always open to you guys. If that's, ah, if that's an option, you're more than that would be nice. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm down to do it. He doesn't want to do live shows, right. so that's why we're trying to you know training wheel it to that. You know, For like, an audience of one. Right. We'll we'll work up to a crowd of a hundred after we see. Like, see, yeah, see, we can do it in front of one person. Somebody laughed. This this person seemed to enjoy it. Being It'd be funny there. to have one off off camera mic or off camera uh, laugh in the background. <laughs> we have more important things to do. The first order of business is the uh, Dave's of Thunder Detective Agency oh, that's right. is taking its first case. Be on the lookout for that. Dave's of Thunder, wherever you find your favorite podcasts and. Uh, where you find your favorite podcasts is obviously where you'll find Adam Carolla's show because that's one of everybody's favorite podcasts. Thanks in part to the great Bald Brian. Uh, we'll have you back. Uh, make sure we promote uh, your big show at the yes. Avalon coming up. What's the date? November 2nd at the so Avalon. So you got some time yet, but we'll give you all the details on that. It uh, will be a grand time. Glad you're with us, Bald, uh, in the world, I mean. Thanks, A sir. decade later, and we're glad you're here in Studio 66 to boot. We'll be back with more Hui and Applesauce later on for you football fans in the meantime thanks so much it's been a thin slice of heaven you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.